This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Start of learning, you hear it? It's on, you can hear it? Starting with Pirkei Avos. Every parak in Pirkei Avos, every parak in Pirkei Avos, starts off with Kol Yisrael Yesh Lehem Chelek Li'olam Haba. Every Jew has a portion in the next world. The whole Jewish nation, you're all tzaddikim. Everybody is going to inherit the land. They are a branch of my planting, says Hashem. My handiwork in which to take pride. Okay, everyone understands that? This is taken from a mission in Sanhedrin. Daf Tzadik Amad Aleph. It is read as an introduction to each chapter of Avais because it increases our incentive to apply ourselves to the teaching of this tractic. Since our ultimate reward in the world to come is within reach, why should we not pursue it and attain it? Okay? The term Israel, called Yisrael, Yeshem refers to any individual who has not utterly divorced himself from being part of Klai Yisrael. His portion in the world to come will vary according to his merit. But as long as he remains as part of Klai Yisrael, he will never lose it entirely. So, <coughs> what's very important is what this mission is saying, girls, is that every, what we're saying before every single parrot in Pergelos, which teaches us how to live, we're saying that everyone has the big word. The big word in life is what? Girls, what's the big word in life? Everybody has a million dollars? No. A brand new car? What? Potential. Life is potential. So you have a but The question is, if I give you a piece of property, what'd you do with it? Did you just let thorns and weeds grow on it? Did you plant on it and have wheat and make bread? Did you put apple trees on it? Like, what did you do with it? But every single person, every single person has potential. And that's why if somebody doesn't use their potential, it's very sad. Very sad. I'm looking for a Mishnah. For a Mishnah. How do you know your potential? Um, you you try to figure out what you're good at, right? You try to figure out what you're good at, and you use that to to grow and to help others. I, as a child, was an amazing storyteller, but not for the right reasons. Not I made up stories to get out of trouble. I'll I'll tell you a story that happened, a true story that happened with me. So um, I was. Um, very different as a kid. Uh, I still am very different. Um, so I was very out of the box. I always thought out of the box. I had some learning dis- disabilities. Definitely ADD. I'm still ADD. Um, many times I'll give a shear and ask a question at the beginning of the shear and then never answer the question. Because I just totally forgot that I asked a question. So what I do when I usually speak is I write notes, just a line, so that I don't forget, oh, you asked a question. You know, So, so it's a... It, and I cannot really, it's hard for me, and all the people that are listening, I just want you to know this, it's hard for me to learn more than a half an hour at a time. 
Like I'll read and I'll learn and then I got to get up and when I go to a shear, I'm eating straws, I'm eating the foam cups, I'm, I'm ADD. I, I, ADD people have to be doing something with their hands. But the good thing about ADD people is they're crazy multitaskers. Like they can't start one thing, they start 90 things, right? So if you ever came to a meeting in my office, it's like they're trying to talk about something and I'm already like, well, what are we doing? Uh, they're like, one second. And I'm like, well, I'm all over the place. So, so that's, that's part of it. And what you're asking is a good question about potential. So ADD has its downsides, big time, when it comes to learning, but it has its upsides. ADD people get a lot of things done because they, they multitask because they don't stay focused on one thing the whole time. So I don't know if any of you know how ADD works. Um, there's ADD and there's ADHD. ADHD is not only you can't focus, but you're jumping all over the place. Hyper. You're hyper. I didn't have the hyper part. I didn't have the hyper part. But I definitely had the attention deficit. Why, what, what does that mean? The way it works is like this. If you, when you have ADD, if you... So many people would ask, like, how could you read a... How could you watch a movie for three hours and focus on the movie and you can't focus on school? Like, if you can focus on a movie or a television show then why can't you focus in school? It was one of the things that, you know, teachers in those days, they didn't understand, like, why can't Wallerstein focus? Like, you know, can watch a basketball game for two hours and, 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 not, and not get up. So what ADD is like this, in your brain, in your brain, so you have a bridge. You have a bridge in your brain, electrical, chemical, whatever you want to call it, bridge. Now, if, you're in a cla- if I'm in a class and somebody's giving a shear, right, I could listen to the whole shear and and remember it. But if a girl in the class would ask a question and the teacher would a- answer the question, so now my brain has to switch. So I can't switch back. So the, the Rebbe's answering the question. Goes, oh, by the way, are we going on a trip tomorrow? Right? And he said, yeah, we're going at 4 o'clock, at 8 o'clock. And the Rebbe says, okay, let's continue. And the Gemara, I'm gone. I can't switch back to the, sub- to the main subject. Now, once I'm gone, I'm dreaming about other stuff. And you miss the whole class, you miss everything. That's, that's what happens when you're ADD. So, if you're watching a movie for two hours, you can watch it. But if they change the channel, or in the middle of the movie, your mother's like, okay, supper, you're, gone. you're done. You can't go back to the movie, you're gone. You're, you're, you're in a million different places, and I'm like, hey, you didn't see the end of the movie. Oh, I was watching a movie. Oh, that's right. It's, it's very hard. It's not that easy. So, they had medications like uh, Concerta and others, and Adderall, other medications that chemically help that bridge, help you like once you cross the bridge. So when I cross the bridge, I can't come back because the subject was changed. So these medicines help. I'm not saying you should take the medicine. I'm not saying you shouldn't take the medicine. It helps. It has side effects. You, you lose your appetite, whatever. That you have to decide as a, as a parent or a kid, you know, if you want to do that or not. But there's no question. I have a friend that was at ADD. And he's my age, he's in his 60s, and he just went on medicine two years ago, and his learning is unbelievably better. He, he could sit through a whole shear, and they could keep switching, and so like, it's like I go to a shear, and there's a lot of people that ask questions of the rabbi during that shear. I'm gone. I'm eating my cup, I'm getting up for a coffee, I'm chewing my straw, I'm blowing my nose, I'm, I'm fidgeting, I'm, 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 I'm. So, so for me to prepare a shear, it's like 20 minutes, a half an hour, get up, take a drink, call somebody, get back and learn. That's just, that's part of, part of it. But there's a good side to everything. 
And the good side is, yeah, I have Anteros Nava or Nava, Benosbina, and like a, a hundred different things. If I didn't have ADD, I would have one school. Not a ranch and two seminaries and a high school and a business because, because I'm jumping, I jump all over the place. So many times you have to write down what, you know, so as a kid, I didn't do well in school because I could not focus for long. So when I, fo- when I focused on, I knew crazy. But So a lot of dreaming. ADD guys, you dream a lot because once you can't go over the bridge, you're all over the place. Very creative. A lot of the creative people that you know are, are ADD, a lot of them. Especially if you're born in July. For some reason, July babies, July babies, a lot of them are ADD. I don't know why. Tamos, I don't know why. But anyway, so... So as a child, first of all, as a child in kindergarten, um, so we didn't, we didn't, it's not like today in kindergarten, you know, you know, you learn the alphabet, like my grandson comes home and says, okay, you want to learn Gemara with me? The kid's six. Like today they push kids, I don't know, girls, they, they push kids very hard in first grade where they know how to learn Rashi, like, that's crazy. We didn't do any of that. We just got a coloring book and let's say whatever the holiday was and you colored, that's pretty much. Kindergarten, pre is you pasted and you colored. Now, if you're a very rich kid, you got the crayon box from Crayola that had 64 crayons, gold, copper, silver, and a sharpener in the middle, right? That's for the rich kids. Then there was like, 64 was the rich kids, then there was one like for 36, did not have a sharpener, but had more colors, and then Nebuchadnezzar, the poor kids, were 12. 12 crayons, like, you're, like you shouldn't even be in school, right? So... For some reason, I used to color only outside the lines. So they had a line of a, so they had a line of a house. The whole page would be colored, not inside the house. The rest of the page would be colored. So yeah, and I'm not dyslexic. So um, the school didn't know how to handle that because they didn't have therapists in those days. They didn't have any of that stuff. So they put me in a corner because I guess they thought it was catchy. I don't know. And um, there was another girl also that had the same thing. She sat next to me. No, we didn't get married and have kids that draw out of the lines. But um, so I was an interesting kid. So in, in first grade, just because you're asking me this question, I guess it's from Hashem that you asked me the question, like, how do you know what, what you're here for, right? So in first grade, I had this really mean, t- I, I think she was mean, I guess, you know, when you're a first grader, everyone's mean. But she was like really mean. Like, she didn't come to school in a car, like she parked her broom when she came to the house, she got into the building she was like, I'll tell you how I know she was mean, she wouldn't call us by our first names, she called me Mr. I'm a little kid, how old was I? First grade, what are you seven, right? She called me Mr. Wallerstein, Mr. Wallerstein come up here, Mr. Schwartz, Mr. Freeman she wouldn't call me Zachary or Stevie or whatever English, nothing, Mr. Wallerstein so she was very disconnected but that's how they were in those days, it was whatever and and old and, and mean anyway so, because you're asking this question about, about how do you know what you're supposed to do. So, every person, every since Adam and Chava ate from the tree, everything in this world has good and bad. The, 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 the internet has good. It has shiurim. It has Torah anytime. It has good. It has a lot of bad. Everything has good and bad. Everything. So, money can do really good stuff. Money can do really bad stuff. Beauty can do really good stuff. Beauty can do really bad stuff. So, so everything has good and bad since we ate from the tree. Then for that tree, there was only good. Anyway, so we used to get homework. They don't do this anymore, I don't think, in school, where you had to write spelling words and then fold the paper three times and then you'd write each word. I remember getting gold stars on it, whatever, right? 
So, so we got our first homework in first grade was to go home. She wrote the word and whatever it was, write it five times, fold it like there were five words, and then write each word and then fold it three times. Okay. Now the good thing would be the bad thing about being Wallerstein, being W in class, is that we used to we used to make a seum after every parsha and chumash. Now it's not like today where the school bought the food. Each parent would be given a note: soda, potato chips, popcorn. And the kid would have to bring, you know, pretzels. The problem was, parents never sent enough. There were 25 kids in the class. So by the time the Rebbe got to my plate, W, I got nothing. Popcorn used to be a little bit left. Soda, sometimes yes, sometimes no. The guys whose names started with an A, B, C, they got all the food, right? There was a kid in my class, started, his last name started with a Z. He didn't even get a plate. Okay? So that was the downside of being a W. Good side about being a W was I could see what all the other kids said as excuses, and I could see what worked and what didn't work. By the time I got to W, I knew what worked and what didn't work. So there's always good. There's always good and bad. Anyway, we get our first homework. I didn't even remember that she gave us homework. I didn't do it. Nothing. And I had a best friend. His name was Yankala Kaufman. He lives in Israel today. And I, I used to make him do bad stuff. I was like the bad guy. When he was the follower, I was a leader. Anyway, I mean, I don't mean like bad stuff. I mean like a thumbtack on her chair, like nothing crazy, like you know. So she calls him up and she says, "Mr. Calvin, please bring up your homework." Till then, all the goody goodies. Till K, they were all goody goodies. And he comes up with nothing in his hands, and I'm like, "Oh." She says, "Mr. Calvin, where's your homework?" He just starts crying. We're first graders. I promise, Mrs. Haberman. I forgot her name. Whatever, witch. What a witch. Anyway, so says, "Do you have your homework, or do you not have your homework?" And he goes, "I I did my homework, but but my cat ate it." (laughs) All right. Now I'm listening to this. I'm like, "Hey, let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes." She goes, "That's ridiculous." Now, I never heard that word before. I'm a first grader. I'm thinking, wow, he got away with it. It's like, ridiculous sounds like that's amazing. Right? And I'm like, this is good. Right? She said, that's ridiculous, Mr. Kaufman. I'm teaching 20 years. She was like 90. I'm teaching 20 years. You know how many times I've heard that ridiculous excuse? Now, you go back to your seat, and you go home, and you do your homework. I want it done five times the amount that I gave you, and I want your parents, both of them, to sign, and I want them to write a note that they know you didn't do your homework. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't do any homework. Like, what am I going to do? It's a true story. What am I going to do? Okay, Mr. Wallerstein, please bring up your homework. I ain't got no homework. First grade, I got no homework. I get up in front of her. I was very scared of her. She says, where's your homework? Now, Hashem, I love you. I'm telling you again, I love you in front of everyone, because you have been with me since first grade. And I said the following. Now, I knew the cat didn't work, right? No. The science project in all our classes, there were two science projects. One, you put a lima bean in a plastic cup with mud, and it, you watch it grow, right? The roots come out, and come, that was one of them. And the other one was, we had a hamster. Everyone had a hamster running around the whole day in the thing. So I got up and said, I really did my homework. And she's like, yeah, yeah, like Mr. Kaufman. 
What's your excuse? I'm like, my my homework it it ate my hamster. So she exactly she looks at me and says, Mister leaned over, you mean your hamster ate your homework, Mister Wallerstein? Not me, man. I don't back down. I'm like, no, my homework ate my hamster. I had this crazy imagination that my homework could eat my hamster. And I even have a note from my father. He said, you have a note from your father? She probably thinks, this kid is so dysfunctional. His father, if he wrote a note, he... But... So I took out a note. I take out the note. I'm all proud. The whole class is watching. I'm a little guy. I'm on stage already at first grade. And I give her the note. And she opens it up and it says, Dear teacher, please excuse my son for being late. It was written to my Rebbe. For being late. I was late that day. She said, this is not a note regarding a hamster. This is a late note, Mr. Wallerstein. I'm like, that's right. You know why I was late? And I'm thinking, I remember this, you know how many years ago this is? And I'm like, you know why I was late? She goes, no, why were you late? I'm like, because we had to make a levaya. So we made a levaya and we buried my homework with my hamster. (laughs) And she looked at me, I'll never forget it, and she said, in all the years of my teaching, I have never met a boy with such an imagination. She said. Because I really could see, I could see right now, a paper eating a hamster. I have that head. I, when I tell you a story, I'm there. I'm, I tell you about a, a princess and, and, and steps. I see the steps, I see the princess. This is just how, uh, how I was born. So yeah, to me, it's not so freaky that this paper went nah, 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 and ate the hamster. It's not, it's not like so crazy, right? So she said something amazing. She said, I'm going to excuse you this time because with your imagination, one day you'll write a book. And I wrote two Swarum. Not the kind of book she thought I'd write, you know, a Kivit of Aim book and a, and a Hakar Satov book. So, so, I learned in first grade that a good story will get you out of anything. Because when I walked back to the, my seat, I kicked, I kicked Yanka Lekafen, that was his name, and I said, stupid, it's a hamster, not a cat. And that was, that was my head. So from that day on, I was a big storyteller. And I used to have kids sit on Shabbos, come, and I became a Pirche leader. And I was a storyteller in Pirche. And then I became a Jep leader, where I went to non-Jewish kids, and I was a storyteller in Jep. And then I went to camp, and I was in plays, on, on, on crazy plays, on color war and things like that. And this thing that I had that really could have been used very negatively, I used to... To help, and even today, you know, you, you've been in my shirim, you know, you know I know how to tell a story. So, could have I told this story and stole from people, and, and they believe me, and they trust me, and then taken their money, and never given it back? Of course, the biggest crooks are the best storytellers. So, so can you use your potential for bad, once you identify it? 100%. Can you use your potential for good? 100%. I was a very good ball player. Um, I was a very good hockey player. I was a very good basketball player. I was a very good baseball player. My life was sports. And many of, many of the boys could tell you that in Yeshiva where I taught non-religious kids, I got them on the football field. I got them on the basketball field. I challenged them one-on-one. I used my ability to play ball to be able to 
have a common denominator with guys that weren't interested in learning, but they were interested in playing ball. So, so yes, whatever you, whatever potential you have and that you recognize, you have to figure out. You know, you have a beautiful voice. You know, and many girls come to me and say, "Hashem gave me a beautiful voice," but, but you, you know, Kalisha, and, and I can't make records, and I can't give concerts. And yes, you can. You can go to old age homes and nursing homes, and with your friend or two or three girls that have great voices, and you could sing for the old people. You don't even understand what you'd be doing for them. So, so yeah, you don't have to be in opera, you don't have to be on Broadway, and you don't have to be even in school plays. You could make people happy with your voice. You could go to hospitals and visit girls that have cancer, little girls, and sit and sing with them. If you, if you can play a musical instrument, you can do the same thing. Whatever your talent is, if you could do makeup, you could do makeup for brides, that don't have enough money to make makeup. If you're good at making hair, you could do hair for brides and girls that don't have the money to pay for that. Whatever your talent is, you need to find out what it is and focus on your ability and use that to help others. If you're a good businesswoman and you're very good at raising money, then you could raise money and help organizations that need money. Whatever your, whatever your ability is, that's what you could use it for. So when you ask me, like, how do you know your potential? You have to look at your potential, what you have, what you can do, and how, I can, how can I use that to help other people and to help myself grow. So if you're musical, you're beautiful, whatever, whatever you have, you, you can use that to help others. On the other hand, you can use the chatzor shalom for the dark side. I could have talked a lot of people out of their money. People trust me. Baruch Hashem, I never used it for that. Stories got me out of trouble through high school, through elementary school, through a lot of stuff. I became a good storyteller. And now, Baruch Hashem, I use it to give shiurim. And to tell stories. So, yeah, everybody has... Everybody has... Everybody has the potential to get Olam Haba. Which means that everybody has a talent. Everybody has a talent. You just have to find what it is. And don't be jealous of someone else's talent because that's not your mission in this world. It's not your trip. It's not your journey. Therapists like to use that word. It's not your journey. But but you got to figure out what your journey is, and you got to you got to use it to. And everybody has a talent, and there's a lot of people out there that need help. They need to hear someone sing and and dance and all this other. Imagine you call the nursing home and you're like, you got five girls in the class that can really dance, and you come with two or three other girls that can play music and two or three other girls that could sing, and you put on a production for these people who are waiting to die. It'd be amazing. So you, it's, yeah, you're a Jewish girl. It's not meant for you to be in opera. It's not meant for you to be on Broadway. Okay, so that's not what you're here for. Everyone has a haba. So therefore, everyone has potential. Everybody has potential. You have to find it. Let's see what you're good at. People don't like to do what they're not good at. You have to find what you're good at. And, and then I'll tell you about my trip to the Amazon. And... There's a Mishnah that says that as good as Ayon Haba is, as good as Ayon Haba is, one second in this world is worth more than the whole Ayon Haba. So you, you understand? Well, let me read to you from inside. Listen to this. Who of Yaakov said, Better one second in tshuva and good deeds in this world. So we just said, everybody has a chelak haba. 
The Mishnah says here, you think Olam Haba is good? One second of this world doing good deeds and doing tshuva is worth more than the whole next world. And one second of rest in the next world is better than this whole world. So one second of rest in the next world, enjoyment in the next world is worth more than all the enjoyment in this world, and one second in this world is worth more than the whole other world. So a person's potential is not normal in this world. Again, he said, everybody has a chalik in Olam Haba. What's Olam Haba? Maybe it's not a good place. Olam Haba is such a good place that one second of enjoyment in that world is better than if you put all the enjoyments of this world together, it's bigger than that. But, one second of good deeds in this world is bigger than all the enjoyment in the next world. So if you think the next world is something, it's nothing compared to this world. And everybody has a chalik in this world. Why? Because you woke up this morning. If you didn't have a chalik in this world, you wouldn't have gotten up this morning. But let me tell you about my little trip that I just took. And some lessons that I learned in this trip. So I, I got a phone call. In fact, the guide, Amadeus, who's not Jewish of course, who's an Amazonian, is actually going to listen to this shit tomorrow out in the Amazon forest. So listen to the story. So one of my students who lives in Florida, he goes on these crazy trips, like Antarctica, Iceland, like crazy places. And he calls me up three weeks ago and he's like, Rebbe, I know you love nature. I'm going to the Amazon rainforest. Deep in Brazil, but not, not like, like eight hours by boat and plane in. Like, you're going to go somewhere where there's just no human being, nothing. I was like, it's my dream. He's like, piranha, they eat people. Alligators, tarantulas. Tarantulas are as big as my, this stender. A spider this big, okay, with fuzzy things and poison. Poison dart frogs. They spit poison. If it touches your skin within a half an hour, you're dead. Right. And in, you're going to live in the forest in a hut. I'm like, this is my dream. <laughs> but I can't go. I don't go anywhere without a minion. And he only has seven guys. Like, I don't go without a minion. And I don't miss leading, reading the Torah. And we're going from, from Sunday to Friday. He said, okay. Get me two other guys. We'll have a minion. I'm like, okay. I called my brother-in-law, Yankee Elephant. I said, Yankee, you want to go to the Amazon? And he's not like one of these guys that goes for this stuff. He's like, I'd love to go to the Amazon. I'm like, Dovi, my son-in-law, Zichamid. I'm like, you want to go to the Amazon? He's like, what? I'm like, you want to go to the Amazon? He says, yeah. So I have a minion, 10 guys. I got a Sefer Torah. Sefer Torah is this big. I have a pouch, I carry it. We have a minion. We're going. Okay. So... We get on the plane. It's a nine-hour flight from New York to St. Paulo to uh, Brazil. We get to St. Paulo. It's hot. Brazil's hot, right? It's hot, but okay, I'm not such a... You know, I can handle it. I just got back. So, so okay. So we go, and um, we, go, we, we land in Brazil. We land in St. Paulo, okay. Now... We have to take a plane from St. Paulo to Manus. Manus is a city in the Amazon. Like Amazonians. Like, they're very different than we are. Okay? 
no problem. Four hours on a plane that you can't breathe, you're stuffed in this little thing, and I'm like, we're doing this, I don't care, I'm not comfortable, I'm doing this anyway. Okay, we fly for four hours. So now I flew already 13 hours to get where I'm going. We land in Manus, there's a Chabad. There's a Chabad everywhere in the world. Chabad in Manus, Amazon. We come into the Chabad, Sadiqin, I think they're also going to hear this shit. Sadiqin, this man's there with his wife and five kids. No Jews. There are no Jews. He doesn't have a minion, doesn't have Yom Kippur, doesn't have a Shabbos minion, nothing. No Jews, a few Jews, but no, no one, nothing. And we dive in there. We, we lay out, we dive in there. Say, well, I'm in a shul, they're all safe for Very, very nice. Okay, the guide comes and he says, all right, we're going into the forest. We need to take a boat. We take a boat, right? Um, the boat's about an hour and a half ride. It ain't a boat. I don't know what this thing was, but it was. It was no boat that I ever saw in my life, right? And this guy's jumping, and the boat's jumping up and down, and it's hot because we're in the Amazon. It's ninety-five degrees Fahrenheit, a hundred percent humidity. So you're you're, you're dripping. You're just dripping, and you could hardly breathe. It's like, it's like trying to breathe in your shower. If you let the water run for an hour and then walk in in that mist, and just try to breathe or exercise in that, right? So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not spoiled. I, I can handle this, right? Okay. So we take this boat ride for an hour and a half, and then we come to this landing. In my whole life, girls, I have never seen poverty Nothing but skinny dogs and skinny people that collecting, you know, coming over. Could you give me something to eat? Could you give me? Something? I never in my life saw people that look like that. And there's two, I won't call them vans, I don't know what they are from the 1930s, right? And they're like, okay, guys, get into the two vans. We're going for an hour and a half drive to the next boat. I'm like, front seat, front seat, front seat, front seat. I get into this thing, and I'm like, you know, in the front of your car, you have air conditioning, heating, a fan, you know. There's nothing there. There never was. It's like in the 1920s. There never was. So I'm like, we're going to be in this for an hour and a half. No air conditioning? Nothing? Nope! And you should know that there's flooding on the way. There's flooding. Anyway, I have pictures. I'll bring them to Mishim next week. So we're in this thing at 100 degrees. I, I mamish cannot breathe. And sweating like, a, I don't want to say a chazer, but sweating like the water running, dripping and running. Okay, we're in the Amazon. We're deep in the Amazon. Okay, the, van, the vans get to this spot. And there's two guys sitting there with a big machete, big knife, right? cutting potatoes, whatever it is, and they're like, oh, amigo, you're here. They speak Portuguese. They take our luggage, they carry it on their backs, and they put it in the next boat. Now, this is pretty much the boat that we're going to be in as long as we're there. They put us in this boat, 10 guys, whatever it is. Now we're on this boat on the Amazon River with crocodiles and piranha and all this other stuff, and, and these snakes that are like the most dangerous snakes in the world hanging from the trees, like crazy, crazy snakes. And I'm like, this is what I'm here for. I'm like, why didn't I bring a knife, a gun, or something? I had nothing, right? Okay. 
we get to the huts, huts, and I come into the huts and I meet the Amadeus. He's the guide. He's the Amazonian, and then a guy that I really like very, very much, Chico. He's like his assistant, and um, say, okay, this is your hut. This is your hut. This is your hut. So there's two beds in the hut. They're not beds. They're pieces of wood, like wood, with a mattress, maybe that thick. And on my pillow, when I walk into the room, this huge spider. And I'm like, Shalom Aleichem. And I'm like, you know, spider, I'm infringing, and this is your property. I'm, I'm the outsider. But I got to kill you, because I'm not sleeping with you in my bed. So I killed my first spider. Okay, I wasn't gonna. These are poisonous spiders. Okay. First thing the guy's like, okay, we gotta get everyone's gotta get a shower. You gotta take a shower. Dripping water. I come into this bathroom in my whole life, and there's a shower with a curtain. Okay. I'm like, ah, I can't wait. I turn on the, I turn the knob. The knob falls off. Okay. I'm like. Stay cool, Wallstein. Stay cool. You're not home. Just relax. Okay. So you could turn the thing with your fingers. So I turn the thing. The water's going, right? But I, I, I can't have the water on my head right away. So I put the, the nozzle on top to the side. falls off. So now I just have water coming down from this pipe. Right? I'm cool. I just got to get in there. I got to get in there. I'm stink. I stink like, ah. It's freezing. It's not freezing, but it's cold, and I'm allergic to cold water. Like, I took a flume with my family, and when we hit the bottom, the water came on, I couldn't catch my breath. I'm allergic to cold water. I, I can go burning water 117 degrees, cold water, it ain't happening. Um, remind me next year to tell you a story, a, a miracle. with a kid in my class that was really allergic. His, his throat closed from it. But a crazy story with Benadryl. It was a whole story. But anyway, so <coughs> I'm waiting. I'm standing in my towel, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. It's not getting warm. So I get dressed, I go out to the guide, I'm like, what's up with my shower? It's not getting warm. The guy looks at me like I'm from Mars. He goes, how is it supposed to get warm? I'm like, like you don't have like a boiler or hot water? Goes, we don't have that here. I'm like, so for four days I have to take cold showers? Yep. So it sort of was like, hand, other hand. <laughs> Head, leg. Okay. So, to make a long story short, it was it was an amazing, an amazing, an amazing trip. I just I want to tell you what I what I learned on this trip. So, the first day, we did a four hour march through the jungle, totally no path, nothing, just jungle, tarantulas. This man, this guy, every plant, he knew what was poison. He knew what you could use it for. He knew what you couldn't use it for. Pretty much there is nothing that isn't poison in the Amazon forest. So you can't live off the forest like in America. You can't live off the forest. Everything is pretty much poisonous. Everything wants to kill you. Everything is killing each other. But it's the godless of God is that he, he put for everything, for everything that needs whatever it needs, has what it needs. And because it's a rainforest, and the trees are so high and there's no sun, there's no sun getting through, all the tops of the trees are growing, they're all growing towards the light. It's like, it's like, towards Hashem, towards, towards the sky. Like, underneath is dead, because there's no sunlight, but everything. Then, like, we're very thirsty, and we're carrying our stuff. He goes, oh, you don't need to carry that stuff. 
I'm like, what? There's no water here. He goes, watch this. And there's green moss, like green moss growing on the trees. Like, he takes the green moss off, squeezes it, and the water's running. He says, you don't need to bring water. You just squeeze them off and drink it. It's very, very healthy. I'm like, so, so you can... No, that's what I'm trying, everything is there. Everything is there. Then, we're spring because you can get malaria and yellow fever in, in, in the Amazon. So we're, we're like came with like 12 bottles each of, of off with 80% deep in it. Like, like, you know, like no mosquitoes going to come near me. And we're spraying clothing with a different thing. Skin, everything's covered. This guy, this Amazonian guy, he's walking. And, and we're like, with all this meat on it, right? And he's, he's walking around. He says, I said, like, what's up with you? He says, watch, I'll show you how we keep mosquitoes away. And we come to this tree that has this like huge bark, and he takes his machete, and he cuts it, the bark, and a million, I have pictures of this, a million um, ants come out. A million, like with a whole nest of ants. And he puts his hand in the nest. And they're cruel, well, it's not a girl's trip, I tell you that much, right? And the ants are crawling up his arms, right? Then he pulls them out, and he squashes them all, and then he rubs the blood, his hands, his neck, his face, he says, for the next three hours, you will not see any mosquito near me. I'm like, what did you do? He said, you know what these ants eat? Mosquitoes. So the minute a mosquito smells the blood, it's its enemy, it's its killer. It will not go near you. So one of the idiots on our trip, not idiots, I happen to like him, says, oh, I'm going to do that too. And he puts his hands in the nest. And like they're crawling. The guy says, no, no, not past your elbow. Get your hands out of there, whatever it is. Yeah, he thought he'd be smart. So it's like, the ants, if you know how to use them, can protect you from the mosquitoes. It's like, Hashem's real is that. So I'm walking through and I'm like, thank you, Hashem, that we have the air conditioning. Thank you, we have refrigerators. I'm thanking Hashem for air. Thank you, I have a car. Thank you, I don't have to walk through this walk again. Right? And there's a guy next to me, one, we're 10 guys, Besides my son-in-law and brother-in-law, these guys I, didn't, I don't know. One, two guys are from Lakewood, two guys are from Muncie, Hasidish, Mar- just a crazy mix of guys. I didn't know them. And the guy standing next to me says, well, Austin, you're making a big mistake. I'm like, why? He says, these people are much happier than we are. I said, you know what? They don't work. They don't work. All they do is fish, hunt, and build their houses. And he sat down, he took from palms, he made a, uh, uh, he made a what's it called, uh, a fan, they make roofs, they, they live from the earth, they don't, they don't, they don't go shopping, nothing. It's, they make their clothing, it's not normal. And they're not struggling to go to work, stock market, shiduchim, they, they, for the villages do their own shiduchim. I'm like, the pressures that we have, college, how am I going to do it, I'm going to make it, nothing. None of them get cancer. None of them get sick. They've never taken Tylenol. They've never taken an antibiotic. They've never gone to a hospital. They've never gone to a doctor. They have 12 kids. Wife never went to a nurse. Nothing. So he was like, you think we're happy? We're not happy. They're happy. Their mama sit a whole day and they fish and they hunt and they, they, have, they, have, you know, they, have, they have mangoes and their fruit. I never ate a pineapple in my life that tasted like that. They're, they're, because the Amazon... Is not civilized, so there's no pollution. So that's like Hashem's world 3,000 years ago. 
It really is. And everything's eating everything. The alligators eating this. They're all eating each other. But but Lamaisa, they're everything. Everything's prepared for everyone. Not normal. And um, so it's so another very shy. So, okay. So I, we, we we met the tarantulas. They are very scary looking things. Um, I don't know what they do. The, the natives take the poison out of them. They use it for something. I don't know what they do. Um, then we went piranha fishing. Now piranha are these teeth with these fish who have teeth that, oh my gosh, you never saw teeth like this on anything, like on a dog. And they, 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 lo- they, they love meat. They eat meat. I thought they would be non-kosher because they eat meat. But they are a kosher fish. They have fins and scales. So we went piranha fishing and on the bait with meat. And you throw the bait in and it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. They're crazy, these little fish. And we caught them and we ate them. We fried them, we put salt and pepper on it, and we ate piranha. White fish, I don't know. Oh my god. It was very cuckoo. But that's what they live on and, and it's it's fascinating. So so then we got to a part and he says, Okay, everybody, I know it's very hot here, you could jump in, there's no piranha. I'm like, No. I am not taking a chance that today you were wrong. So I didn't jump in, a bunch of guys did jump in. And then so at night this Kurdish book was amazing. At night we went alligator hunting. They're called caimans. They grow to 23 feet. They live about 70 years. They're like from me to the wall there. They're crazy and they're crazy things. Now how do you go how do you find something at night, right? So this guide, he Mateus, he takes a flashlight. I didn't know this that animals' eyes glow at night. When you put light on them, they glow. And alligator eyes are gold. They're like snake eyes. So we're going along the boat, put, 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 and he's got this flashlight, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, there's one. Everybody quiet. I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, hi, let's go. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to catch it. I said, you're going to what? He says, I'm going to catch it. I'm like, you're going to bring it into the boat? Yeah, we'll bring it in the boat. I said, okay. So we roll up, he's leaning over the thing, he's leaning over the front of the boat, and all of a sudden it's like, boom! He's got an alligator in his hands. He goes, you hold it now. Gives it to me. I'm like, are you crazy? He says, no, you hold it by the mouth. The tail also can hurt you very much. Hold it by the tail. I have a picture of me holding this alligator. We passed it. We passed it to each guy. What? This was a baby. It was four feet. This this big. Crazy stuff. These guys can hunt an alligator. It's not normal because that's how they're brought up. That's how their life and it's the most beautiful land that I've ever seen in my life. The birds in the Amazon are the craziest colors, most beautiful birds in the world. Um, this is the part I want to tell you. This is the part he's going to listen to. So, I wanted to see a sunrise. Because the sunrise on the Amazon River, it is, the river is glass. It reflects like glass. So, when the sun comes up, there's not only the sun, but there's the reflection on the river, I wanted to be there. So we got up at a quarter to five. We went out on this boat, very quiet. There's only birds and animals. The forest is much noisier at night. The, the action in the forest happens at night. Monkeys, we have monkeys, we have a picture of um, a sloth, you know what that is? It's like this huge thing with these long nails. We got a picture up on a tree. I have all these pictures, right? So it's, it's, it's dark, right? We're on this boat. And he knew exactly where the sun rises. And um, we're sitting there and the sun begins to rise. And I said, I didn't know this guy was listening, the, the guide, Mateus. 
And um, he's on the boat with us. And I'm telling the guys, we were, only five guys got out. The other guys didn't, were too tired. And I was telling the guys, I said, I have to tell you guys, you need to know two stories. And I'm staying longer for you girls because it's a very important, this is a very important video for everyone to see. So there's two stories. And this glide is listening. I don't know that he's listening. And I said, sunrise, I think that every human being has to see a sunrise. Because we live in such darkness. Right? And every single day, God refreshes your life. He brings the sun every day. doesn't miss. The sun rises every day. I said, and when, when, when Adam, Adam ate from the tree right before the sun set Friday night. So he eats from this tree, and everything that he saw created, trees and birds, and all, he doesn't see anymore. It's pitch dark. Fire was only created Matzah Shabbos. That's why we light the fire. So he didn't have fire yet. So he, he thought, the Medrash says that when he ate from the tree, he destroyed the world. Here's the world. Eats in the tree. World's dark. Doesn't see anything anymore. He destroyed the world. He did a big Avera. So it says in the Medrash that a whole night, a whole night, Friday night, right? He never saw a sunset yet. There saw a sunrise. A whole night, Friday night, he was begging Hashem to forgive him that he destroyed Hashem's world. All of a sudden, Shabbos morning, the sun starts to come up. And Adam's like, wow, Hashem forgave me. The world's still here. And he sang... Because he realized he didn't destroy the world. It was a great moment for Adam. And therefore the Gemara says that when Mashiach comes, what are we going to sing? Because we also live in darkness. And we also think it's the end. And we're going to realize that the sun was always here. Hashem was always here. And I'm saying this story on the boat. And then I had a sitter with me because I wanted to say Kriyashma at sunrise. I wanted to say Vasikin. So I said, you know what, guys? Let me read to you what Adam wrote. What is, you know, what did he write? Listen to this. And this non-Jewish guy who I love, he's great. He's great. He, he, I never met a human being that lives in the land. He knew everything, everything. He, he could see tracks. He could say, this animal was here two hours ago. Just by, by a broken branch. It's, it's not normal. It's not normal. We, we, we live in a world. You need air conditioning because you're used to air conditioning. But if you didn't need it, listen to this. Mizmor Shir Liyamah Shabbos. A song for Shabbos Day. Liyamah Shabbos. Because at night he thought he destroyed the world. Toiv lohaydis la Hashem. It is so good to thank to Hashem. Ulezam elishim cha'elyon. Lahagid babogir chazdecha. To, to announce in the morning your kindness because he thought he destroyed the world. And my faith that I had at night. What does that mean? Um, upon a ten string instrument, a lyre with singing accompanied by a harp. Okay. Hashem, I am happy with your deeds. With nature, with what you created, I'm, 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 how would you say? Exceedingly profound. My God, Hashem, what amazing! And I said this on the boat as the sun is rising. My God, how great are your deeds, Hashem? Your 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 thoughts are amazing. And I, and I read this whole thing, and this guy is listening to the whole thing. So it ends up Hashem. I want to declare Hashem is just. He is my rock where there is no wrong. This guy is listening to this whole schmooze. 
and I don't realize he listens to the Hoshmos. Then, I wanted to talk about the ants. There's a Medrash Rabbah, beautiful Medrash Rabbah. So Shlomo Melech knew how to talk to animals, insects, that he knew their language. He came upon an anthill where ants lived, and he saw them bringing rice to the anthill. But the whole anthill was full of rice, and an ant only lives for 30 days. There was enough rice in that anthill to feed the whole colony for 80 years, 70 years. So Shlomo Melech asked the ants, why do you need rice for 70 years if you're only going to live 30 days? And the ants, I wish I, wish I would have brought the medrash here. The ants answered him, because right now Hashem made us that we only live 30 days. But Hashem can change anything. So maybe one day he'll give us a present and let us live for 70 years. We want to make sure just in case that we, we're prepared. So Shlomo HaMelech says, learn from the unlazy ant. Always be hopeful. Always trust Hashem can do anything. And always be prepared. It's Okay. And then we started to sing Kalbach's Mizma, Mizma, Shia. Can imagine, in the middle of the Amazon, five Jewish guys on a boat, nothing but animals in the world, singing Mizma, Mizma, Shia, Shia, Shabbos. This guy, guy, he never saw this. He never saw Jews. He never saw, uh, he was like, blown away. Okay. We come back to eat breakfast. What? Uh, I have to show you a picture. It's, 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 not, it's not describable. It's not humanly describable. Not humanly describable. So we go back and we eat breakfast. And this guy, who is very special, he's, he's listening to this show right now. You were amazing. And I will never forget you. And Chico, you're my man. You're my man forever. You know, they had. They had these two guides, and Chico was the guy in front with the machete. It's about this big. Because he has to cut down the trees. As we're walking, we're walking through the forest. He's cutting down the trees and the branches and everything else. He worked very hard. And I just, I just like this guy. And he made all the fishing rods for us. Whatever. He's just, just a great guy. Anyway, so Amadeus, who's Amazon, an Amazon guy, comes over to me and says, I have to tell you something. You're a rabbi? I'm like, yeah, whatever, because they were calling me rabbi the whole time. He said, I never heard someone speak like you. You just changed my life. Are you on YouTube? That's what he asked me. I said, yeah, look up Zechariah Wallstein, whatever it is. He said, that was so profound what you said about the ants and what you said about God and what you said about Adam. He said, you teach a lot about Adam? I'm like, yeah, I teach it in the Bible, whatever it is. So we made a big Kiddush Hashem. We made a big Kiddush Hashem over there. So, like you're asking, like your potential, you have potential to go into the Amazon, take a non-Jewish person and him walking away and saying like, I never had such an experience. You are really the children of God. Potential of a person is, even in the craziest place, away from the world, not, 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 not normal. And I, and I have to say, would I do it again? Knowing what I had to go through? In a minute. In a minute. I never saw, any, I never experienced anything like that in my life. It's very uncomfortable. Like my wife would have been gone the minute she walked in that room and there was a, a, a spider that size on my our pillow, we would have been on a plane back. But there's no plane back. I wasn't feeling that well. And I was thinking of leaving. And the guy's like, first of all, at night we can't get you back. And it's eight hours, it's eight hours to the truck. 
I'm like, forget it, I'll just take Tylenol, whatever. They don't have medicine. The antibiotics are in the trees. Uh, and, and he told me that that 60% of antibiotics that we have, that we take, come from the Amazon rainforest. If you go to the Bronx Zoo, and you go to the Amazon, uh, the rainforest room, or the botanical gardens, the rainforest room, they have labeled on all the different plants that come out of there, what you get from it. Anti-cancer, antibiotics. Hashem put everything in the world. Everything a person needs is in the world. If you need to catch an alligator, he made the alligator's eyes glow. It's crazy. Why does an alligator's eyes glow? So the hunter could see it. Amazing. And the fish? Piranha is a scary fish, but he's kosher. He's kosher. So, yeah, it was a fantastic trip. And um, I believe we made a very big kishish. And we have crazy pictures because one of the guys that was on the trip is B&H. I don't know if you've ever heard of B&H. B&H is the biggest camera store in America. His son, Goldstein, his son, was there with us. So he had all these cameras and lenses. and You'd think these pictures are like, you ever eat Fruit Loops? There's like a, there's like a parrot on there. It's called a something with a T, right? So the two cats are all over the place. We have pictures of them all over the place. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous bird. So he created a good world. Matovu, Matovu, what a beautiful world he created. We, so I, I think that was like the biggest word I got coming out of there, is that you think you're happy because you have air conditioning. You're not happy. You're chasing. You have to make money to pay the bill. They don't pay no bill. They don't pay no air conditioning bill. They don't pay no bill. There is no bill. They don't have to buy, go to the store and buy off. They use ants. Whatever, whatever they do, they're cooking and everything. Everything has a use. Everything has a use. And Shem created a fantastic world. We're the ones who messed it up. Anyway, that was my trip. So yeah, one second in this world of Mice and Taivim is worth the whole next world. The next trip this guy is doing, I think he's going to Antarctica. I don't think I'm going to Antarctica. <laughs> They don't even have, they have polar bears in the Arctic, but they don't think they have polar bears in Antarctica. But he went to, he went to, uh, he went to Iceland, he told me, you've never seen anything. Iceland, the, the ice in the place, it's, it's crazy. What? It's gorgeous. What? No, it's all ice. He told, he told me he went into, ca- told me he went to caverns of ice. He, he actually went into a hot geyser. They went into like a, a hot, a hot, and it was surrounded by ice. No, he was in Iceland. He was in Iceland. But they don't have animals. I'm not, I'm not, I'm in, I'm not into, I'm into more, I'm not a photography guy. But anyway, it was just, it was just a, it was an amazing, an amazing thing. And yeah, we are very spoiled. But you don't realize that being spoiled, you don't enjoy life. They get up every single morning, and they go hunting and fishing, and they don't have anything on their heads. And they don't get sick, and they don't have a hospital. I said to them, where's the closest hospital? He said, eight hours by boat. By that time... They know everything. They, 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 to take temperature down, there's a certain plant. He took a plant. I didn't do it. I should have done it. But he took a plant, and he said that when they used to go to war, the Amazon tribes, they used to paint their face underneath their eyes like the Indians red. Right? So he opened up this berry... And he said, if you squash this berry, it's taco very red. So the guys thought they'd be very cool, right? They're going to look like warriors. So they painted their eyes red, right? I didn't do it. And then he says, by the way, it takes about eight months to get rid of it. 
And then he goes, just kidding. <laughs> so like everything, everything's there. They use the they use the frog, the frog that has the poison in it. It's called the red dart poison frog. They use this. That's the most dangerous. The most you think the most dangerous is anaconda. They got anacondas there. Those things are like crazy snakes. You think that's the most dangerous thing? It's not. The frog is number one. It spits. It's a little. It spits poison, and if it hits your skin, you're done. And and he said that they take the poison out of the frog, they put it on the tip of the of the arrow, and that's how they kill animals. It just so they use everything for their. And he said, "Oh, we got we got we caught a we caught a tarantula." I said, "What are you going to do with it?" He said, "I'm going to kill it and we fry it." They eat all this stuff. No, no, it's fascinating. If you get bitten by a snake or a spider, it'll kill you. But if you take the poison out and you drink it, it'll build your antibodies. Because it doesn't go into your blood. The power is the blood. So these guys drink this stuff. So even if they get bitten by a snake, and it kind of doesn't bite you, it squashes you to death. But uh, but uh, but the tarantula. They take the poison out and they drink it. Anyway, I was like, you know, the Torah says you shouldn't eat shrutzim, right? So, like, these people eat spiders and bugs, and the Torah saves us from all of that. Yeah, exactly. So, we were talking about do you go like that because it's not kosher and you were brought up that way? And if you weren't brought up that way, it, it, I said, I cannot fathom putting a spider down my throat. I don't care. Kosher. Not kosher. They, they fry them and eat them. Listen, they eat lobster. Those things that you know, you look at them, you're like, what? They eat what? So they eat that. They break off the arms and they eat the lobster. So I, we were having a whole machlekes like in the forest. Is that is it uchi because you didn't grow up that way, or is it uchi? It's just it's, it's and it's huge. Thing. Crazy. Anyway, anyone who's watching. If you want to go, I can set you up the tour. Make sure you go with a minion. Have a safe Torah. Just, it's not comfortable, that's all. But otherwise, it's amazing. Have a good day, everyone. You should, we'll see you Shabbat Shemitz Hashem. Can we turn this off? Anyone know how to turn it off? Make sure it's on. The, the most important statement that I would like to make after, after this year, the most important statement that everyone has to hear is the following. On the way home... My brother-in-law Yankee was his father's yard site, which is my father-in-law's yard site. And we went to Chabad before we caught our flight. We, we went to Chabad and Manis, where they never have a minion. And we, we told the Chabad that we need a minion because he's a chiyav, my father-in-law's yard site. He said, okay, he's going to get, he's going to get, we were six. Um, and he's going to get four, him and seven and three other guys. So yeah, we come at a certain time, there'll be a minion, he'll make sure we have a minion. He's okay. So we come walking into Chabad, and there's three other guys there. Didn't look like they were religious, but three other Jews. And we dive in Mincha. And when we finish Mincha, the Chabad guy says to me, you should say Mazel Tov to this man, an older man. He's 57 years old, and a few weeks ago he had a bris. Had a bris? He's Jewish. Had a bris. 57 years old, had a bris. So I went to him, and I, I don't speak Brazilian, of course, and I shook his hand. I said, if there's ever a person I want to get a bracha from, you're Yitzhak Avino. You are an Akedah. To get a bris at 57 is 
crazy painful. I said, you Yitzhak Avinu. I said, but I want to tell you, he translated in Brazilian to him. I said, I want to tell you something that I was told a long time ago by Rabbi Reich, who does brisim on older, older Russians. He said, there's a medrash that says, listen to this, girls. There's a medrash that says that in the times of Mashiach, Esav is going to come, I'm sorry, not Esav, Yishmael is going to come to Hashem and say, I am greater, Shmuel, I am greater than, my children are greater than Yitzhak's children. And we, we deserve much bigger reward than the Jews. Why? Because Jewish children get a bris when they're eight days old. They don't have a choice. And they heal very fast. Yishmaelim, Arabs, get a bris when they're 13. When they're 13. You can imagine? That's very painful. And they do it willingly. She said, we at 13 do it willingly. Them at eight days, they don't do it willingly. We are greater than them. And the Medrash says that in the times of Mashiach, Klaisel will answer that there's a group of Jews that are much older than 13 that, were mach, that, that did bris mila, and that will shut Yishmael up. And I said to this man, who never heard this before in his life, I said, you are the mouth, because what you did is going to shut Yishmael up when he comes to Hashem and says that they're greater than us. You are amazing. We all got brachas from him. And he was like, smiling from like ear to ear. Okay, because my brother-in-law, it was Yartz, he had to say Kaddish. So, he's about to say Kaddish, and the rabbi says, can this man say Kaddish with you? We said, what, why is he saying Kaddish? His brother died in COVID. Brazil had very bad COVID. His brother died in COVID, we never have a minion. He never say Kaddish. So this man sat next to Yankee, and he, he couldn't read Hebrew, but he repeated after Yankee what, what Yankee said, and it was the first time he ever said Kaddish in his life. He said Kaddish for his brother. So this whole minion, this whole Chabad minion that we made in this whole thing, had such crazy meaning. But I still didn't get to my point. Crazy meaning. We finished davening, and I'm talking, and they're making a L'chaim with Lubavitch. They're making a L'chaim with the Yartzeit. And the Rebetzin walks out. Now, the Chabad Shliach is a Chabad Shliach. But his wife... She gave up her whole life. She lived in the Amazon. Her kids, she has five children. They have no friends. There's no Jews. She gave up her whole life so that this guy could have a bris, whatever this guy's doing there in Manus. And she's living there. She has no friends. She has no family. She has nothing. So I went into the kitchen. I told her, I just want you to know that, that my rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel, always says that my wife deserves much more credit than me. I enjoy what I'm doing. My wife's sitting home alone. He said, she's going to get Ganed. And I don't know about you, because you enjoy what you're doing. But Essie, she doesn't enjoy that you're not home. So every time you leave, she's the one who's suffering. So I said to her, you should know that you're the one that's going to get Ganed for what you do. Because he's a shliach, but you're not a shliach. And you're doing this? It's amazing. She said, it's the first time that anyone ever told her that. She said, we've had people come through here. No one ever said that. Thank you, Reverend Wallstein. And you should know I listened to your shiram. She told me. So she comes in after Mincha Daphne and the tears are running down her face. We just finished Mincha, I'm like, oh my God, what, like, what happened? And she mama, she can't catch herself. And she, she turns to my brother, who David, and to, to the rest of us, and she says, I haven't heard a Kaddish, a Main, Kedusha, forever. You don't understand what it meant for me to say Amen. Hello? She's living out there by herself. 
she was so appreciative that she could say amen. I don't know, maybe in 10 years, I don't even know. For, they don't have a minion. You don't keep, they don't have a minion. You don't understand what that means. Don't have a minion. There's no one there. So, to appreciate a main, do we, does anyone in this room, or anyone who's listening, like, appreciate, like, a main, that you would cry, that I haven't heard a main or Kedusha in so long? It was amazing. Rebetzin, if you hear this year, you're number one. You're amazing. I met Hashem, Mashiach should come, you should be, you should be able to hear a main every single day. You should be Matzliach, now you can turn it off. Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.